Welcome to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, and I am joined by Jason Brooks. Last time we spoke to you was actually a mere hours before the unfortunate passing of Jim Helwig, a.k.a. Warrior, or to most of his fans, the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, since then, a lot of stuff has happened. WWE this week will be putting on basically every night a tribute of some sort to the Warrior. Um... Jay, what are your quick thoughts on the Warrior, being that me and you are around the same age and both saw the majority of his career, especially with WWE? I mean, I love the Warrior. He was, you know, I hated Hogan. I didn't like him. And I usually like the heels, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, those guys. Um, but I love Jake the Snake, and I love the Warrior. I thought he wasn't a good wrestler even back then, but he was fun to watch. He was fun. He was a good character. Um... And, you know, it was great that we saw him at the Hall of Fame, that we saw, you know, he's had a lot of stuff going on in his life in terms of things that he said. We think, you know, he's a super Republican, which is fine, but apparently not a big fan of gays. You know, he said said some things in his career that have been pretty controversial, but he was a father and he was a husband. And, uh, you know, he was taken away from them too soon. And unfortunately, this is another part of our childhood that dies. Couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you. I will get into it more as the show goes on, but I will give credit to WWE that they were very respectful on the handle of everything. Uh, and it appears that WWE, I mean, I would have loved to have seen some testimonials from some wrestlers last night, but for what we got with the uh, couple of highlight packages, with him winning the kind of t- title, winning the world title over Hogan, you know, the clips of him versus Rick Rude in a steel cage, they were all good. So people on the stage, you know, with, you know, a 5X or 6X size, you know, shirt from Mark Henry. You know, everyone seemed to really respect. But I guess they might have not done the testimonials due to the fact it might have made them even look more two-faced with the, the DVD that they had out with all these people in the past saying, you know, horrible things about them. But what did you think about that? Do you think uh, they went the right direction by... Just going just straight highlight packages, or would have you, as like me, would have liked to at least seen something from the people on the roster saying, you know, their thoughts and feelings about the Warrior? No, I was fine with it. I think they did a, enough to give you a sense of the Warrior's impact. I don't think we needed, you know, Dolph Ziggler to say, "Hey, I loved the Ultimate Warrior when I was a kid," and da da da. I don't think we needed all that. I think that we already know his impact. I mean, he was just in the Hall of Fame. You know, they just had his speech. He just came out and spoke last week. And they did a lot of showing his highlights and showing his matches and showing his impact. Um, So I think it was enough. I think they did a really good job of kind of interluding that into the show and not making it too much of the show. So I like how how they did it. Now, speaking of the WWE and Raw... I thought it was a good show. I didn't think anything was particularly great or offensive. Uh, the end of the show was there was good moments and bad moments. I thought the idea of the Shield facing basically in their own way eleven, you know, eleven jobbers, which unfortunately included Wade Barrett and Rusev in that display. But a good point of it, the way that they ended it with making uh, Evolution look extremely strong, I liked. We'll get into more more of that shortly, but any uh, anything from Raw that really stuck in your craw this past week, either positively or negatively? 
Um, nothing that stood out too much. Um, the only thing is, and I do want to talk about Shazaro at some point. Um, uh, two things. One, and, and we can talk about this later. It looks like they're continuing to build for pay-per-views like they did before the network. Um, you know, it looks like they're building toward having a few matches that we kind of already are seeing on the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. It looks like it might be a pretty good pay-per-view, too. Um, the Warrior tribute was great. And then the last thing, and, and we'll go into this more at some point, is them emphasizing the AIC title. I mean, it's been years. So it's it's nice that the the IC title got a push last night more than anything else. So, um, you know, that was nice to see. Well, the title got a push, not not the champion. You know, the only thing we saw the champion was, you know, sitting back looking at a, a camera monitor, that, you know. That's like, fine. The match was about, it was about the tournament for the number one contender. So that's what it was. They had four matches or whatever it was about the IC title. So I think that was fine. All right. Um, and the other thing that that really bugged me, and I discussed this because me and you were actually going back and forth last night where – for the first time in a while, I actually put up a couple of Twitter uh, posts at uh, at work shoot pod. I, uh, I saw you did some, I did some, but John Cena, everyone's favorite wrestler to either love or boo. What he did last night, I thought was a disgrace. He saved it a little bit at the end by trying to be serious for three seconds, but when you're in a feud with Bray Wyatt, stop with the stop with the jokes. Just this is a you can when you're in a silly angle with you know. Bad News Barrett or Ziggler or other guys that they've treated like don't really matter for large chunks. I know they're doing better with Barrett right now. But when you're having these ridiculous jokes in a serious angle, it really takes, at least for me, it takes me out of the moment. I don't know how you feel about that, but it was just, all right, let, let's go make jokes about, you know, family members and how ridiculous they look like. It just didn't, it, for, for me, in this, like, Really big feud that you're trying to do and build Bray Wyatt. You don't need Cena to run him down again like he did a couple of weeks ago with the whole, you know, Margaritaville references. And now again with, you know, pictures of, you know, what Sister Abigail would have looked like, you know, all that. I mean, maybe you disagree. but So this is the thing with the whole Cena thing. We talked about this maybe a month ago about how he has changed because the show's PG now and how he used to be really funny when he could be a little bit more cutting edge with the raps and how that's had to have changed. So part of me feels like the humor is not funny to us because it's humor for kids. So that's also part of it. If he was just funny, I think that would take away, that wouldn't take away as much from it. But him putting up pictures and combining a woman with Bray Wyatt, like I don't really find that funny. But I think if it was funny, it wouldn't have been as bad. He did get serious toward the end. I think the issue comes down to two men are, are having a, have a conversation, right? These two men, they don't like each other. They hate each other. They want to beat each other's butt. Do you see one man, you know, being really, really serious and the other one making fun of him in a really, really silly way? He might make fun of him, but it'll be in more of an adult way. So I, I don't know. I I don't love the humor with Cena because I don't think that it's funny. That's my biggest issue with it. Unfortunately, the fact that shows PG, it, you know, it is what it is. 
They did save it, though, once he got more serious and things like that. But the bigger issue is they have to have Bray win the match. He has to win an Extreme Rules. I mean, he has to. All right, so... I'm 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 gonna jump in. Did, did you even intro? Did you intro? Uh, I'm sitting here. Forward? I was waiting for him to I, intro me. That's why I didn't right, jump well, in. I'm gonna intro Eddie Z <laughs> of the Kitchen Sink Podcast. We put it over every week, um, and you know we have him on the show for a little bit. We really needed some guests this week because wasn't really anything too crazy. And Eddie, who has the week off, like I have the week off. Um, has decided to join us. Welcome, Ed. How are hey, you doing? What's going on? Thank you, Jason. Thank you so much. Um, I always find, you know, creative ways to get you guys unplugged on my show as you hear. Um, I always try to get that in. So good stuff. Um, thanks for introducing me. Uh, Corey was pointing at me the whole time saying jump in. I'm like, okay, should I jump in and go, hey, I'm Eddie Z. I didn't know what to do with that. But you brought up Cena. So I felt this is the perfect time for me to, to jump in amongst all the other stuff. Um, I think Cena is in this weird paradox right now. And I was listening to your show from last week. And one thing I'm hearing is that no matter what, how many losses Cena takes, it ain't going to hurt him. Every time he's going against someone, I hear people like Corey and guys like Henry, um, and they talk about, oh, it ain't going to hurt John Cena. But when does it get to a point where it is going to hurt John Cena? And John Cena, he's in his 30s. Um, he probably got another 10 to 15 years left. Is he, Are we already pegging John Cena as the guy who should just sit back and put everyone over when he's still kind of in his wrestling prime. And I understand he's been there, done that multiple time world champions. He could afford to put some guys over. But that's what Triple H is kind of doing right now. And I heard Corey say last week how um, less is more with Triple H. He's already tired of seeing Triple H, and Triple H has been in the ring once in the last yeah, I just, year I and a half. Agree with that being, I so think, the, I think it's the mentality of where a lot of the fans are going, where it's like, give us what we want and get out the way. And Triple H gave them what they wanted with Daniel Bryant. And now let's move on to the next big thing. Exactly what he said would happen when he was making fun with the whole Fandango thing, that fans want what they want. And that, then they move on to the next thing. And I think Triple H, listen, unfortunately, I personally think that WWE is a little angry on how Bray Wyatt is being received in the sense that, yes, he is an amazing heel, but he's becoming a face. Unfortunately, he's becoming a face. And I think they were trying to get him to be that Undertaker type. When Undertaker first came, everyone was kind of scared, nervous, and kind of a little unsettling when he came down to the ring. And that fan base has grown up where we enjoy that now. We appreciate that. We like the scariness. We like his um, unorthodox style. So I think with John Cena, is every time I hear, he has to lose. He doesn't need it. Well, there's going to come a point where is he supposed to lose the next 10 in a row to put every new NXT guy over because he doesn't need it? Uh, is it over for John Cena? Should he just wrap it up and call it quits? Is his career done? Should he just be the guy who puts everybody over? Should he be the big show now? I mean, the guy's still in his wrestling prime. I think by winning at times like beating Bray at Mania, which I was totally going for Cena, but I wouldn't have been mad if Bray won. I was totally going for Cena because I'm like... Bray, he beat Daniel Bryan, he loses to Cena, and this sets up that he could be, the. everybody was talking about maybe Brock Lesnar could be for um, Daniel Bryan, or, you know, they could keep going on with Randy Orton and Batista, but how about Bray? Bray was the only man to score the clean pin at Royal Rumble. Why not Bray going after Bryan 
for SummerSlam, setting up maybe like a Brock Lesnar, Royal Rumble, Daniel Bryan-like moment. But we're looking too far ahead. I just feel that when John Cena got the win, um, it was only myself and Chris, which is another friend of mine who actually liked it because Bray still kind of, he, he was building momentum with Daniel Bryan. But like you said last week, Cena is 1A. And Daniel Bryan, unfortunately, you know, to some fans, is 1B because of the marketing stuff. But why do we want John Cena to lose every match now? Well, let me give you two things on that before we actually allow you to do the true gloating on something that you and fellow member and of the, and well, me. Fe- fellow member of the <laughs> LWO, Henry Henry's kid, actually almost won a gold chain as a result of saying that uh, he thought that the Undertaker was going to lose the streak. But on this, and this is mostly the most important thing in my opinion when it comes to the Cena. Way uh, Bray Wyatt situation is usually a way a feud works is the heel wins early and then the the hero the face wins in the end and when the unfortunately in this situation the first match in their feud was at Mania so it really unless they do something different which they're trying to do with the extreme rules when a heel loses the first match of the feud basically the feud in a way is kind of not over but it doesn't. It's not the idea, the storyline of this of the hero has to conquer over something. And you were like, I think you said it on your last podcast, but saying this wrong when it came to, you know, sequels and everything, which you guys did a very good job with movie sequels on the Kitchen Sink podcast, was that the hero has to go overcome. The hero has to, you well, know. Well, that was Chris's take on the hero overcome. Okay, He's well, all about the hero. Well, I'm just saying the idea that there are steps where you got to go at one point, you know, like in the newest, you know, Batman movie, you had Batman had his back broken by Bane. He's got to come back and at some point, you know, get 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 his heat back, get the win back at the end. Not spoiling anything for anybody who hasn't seen it, but another thing, Batman. By now, you've got prob- other problems. Sure, but and then the other part is Cena has been hurt because he works such a grueling schedule. He's been hurt so much over the last couple of years that you got to go and have him occasionally lose matches. So when he does, unfortunately, have to retire or is he going to be hurt for long periods of time. You have other guys who are believable who can either take his place or be there in these main events afterwards. Do you think this hurt Bray Wyatt to lose? Because if you're saying you think this hurt Bray Wyatt to lose, then then in your mind, Bray Wyatt is done. No, I don't think it hurt him to lose. I just don't think it was the right decision. Okay, that's no problem. Well, well what do you think? This is the question, though, now. What's, what's done is done. Right, but we where do you see that where do you see them moving forward? Okay, I do it right now. And where would you like to see them go? Okay, so you know the one thing I think about Bray, like I said, I think I think W was probably caught off guard with the amount of fan pop that he's been getting, um, almost face like, um, and I think him losing for and then, first of all, WWE hasn't hasn't been doing anything according to the book for about maybe six to months to eight months. Right? They, they've kind of been either shocking us as fans one way or the other, for the worst or for the good. They've been doing it. I think with Bray and Cena getting the first... First of all, unfortunately, it landed on Mania, where Cena got the win because it is Mania. Um, Cena is going or and should get that win. But I look at this as being something that could only fuel Bray Wyatt's madness even more, um, to the sense where he could become more diabolical and go further with probably picking up a win, if not extreme rules. Uh, what's the next one? Money in the Bank is May? I think so, but I mean, or, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, to be over the Edge or something like that. Um, anyway, 
that he might be able to get that win. And this might carry on to May. And then he gets to win. And next thing you know, we see him going after Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam. So for me, I see this as be making Bray Wyatt more crazy, more diabolical. That the guy, the, the people's champ, you know, you got the whole world in his hands. Got another thing. He got another thing. So to me, I thought, it, because if this would have been um, Rumble, like he, you know, Bray Wyatt got the win over Daniel Bryan, if it would have been, you know, over the edge, money in the bank, extreme rules, I could have seen easily Bray winning this match. But because it was WrestleMania, this is kind of like the home of the, the big. You know, like this is where the, the, the you know, the, the chickens come home to roost. You know, this is where everybody who's kind of going to get their big payday gets their big payday. And I don't think... Bray had a match with John Cena and Mania. You know? I mean, come on. And uh, speaking of big matches at Mania, and like I said, the the one man who's actually been on the show who went out on a limb and said that, first of all, the Taker should have the streak end at some point and actually went and said that Brock Lesnar may have not been the, the right person, but he was the person who was going to do it. Eddie Z, the floor is yours. <laughs> Tell me and Jay how dumb we were to go against the, the genius of uh, the kitchen sink experience. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, give me the predict this or did I just want this? Um, I kind of I, I said if it's going to be anybody in the last 10 years, physically the most believable would be Brock Lesnar to do That's it. That's true. Um, and so, okay, so let me tell you something. First let me of tell all, you brother. Let, let me tell you something, brother. When building up to this, and I don't know if I said it on this show, but I have said it a lot. Just the f- beginning, when Undertaker first came out and threw the first blow at Brock, which is something he never does. He attacked. He was always the antagonist. I remember when we went to Raw, I was like, this looks weird, right? Think about this. Undertaker has been doing all the attacking. Almost like a fair world tour. Like, let's see him do as much attacking as possible. Don't be shocked if you know, Taker loses. And of course, I get the brush off, the twist the lips, and you're crazy. Um, but I've always been against Taker with the streak. So when I'm sitting there in my living room, and I, he hits him with a third um, F5, and I'm thinking, well, did Triple H ever hit him with a third pedigree? And I was trying to go back in my head. And I, I didn't even do the, I didn't even look it up at that point. But I was thinking, has Taker ever popped from three finishers in that sense? He hit him, and he went one, two, three, the air left me. And I was like, and I was looking around. I stood up and I think I screamed so loud. And then I had to stop and go, wait, was his foot under the rope? Is there a, a twin that's going to come out? It says the ref was bought and now it's Earl Hebner all over again. And Paul Heyman was a genius. I was looking for the screw job to come out and take the Lesnar win away from me. And then I paused, I muted my TV to see if I could hear Corey and Henry and Mike screaming and blowing the roof off the place that they were watching the show at. And, you know, Chris was laughing and Darnell was laughing. I'm like, shh, I think we can hear Corey right now jumping out the window. Um, but it was, it was fantastic. And I told D before the match, I said, you know what? Um, it's good and bad for wrestling, like I told you guys, where it's nice to have something for that. But then Undertaker's old school, and he should pass it on. And maybe, like I said, maybe Brock wasn't the right guy, but he was the most believable guy out of any opponent that Undertaker has faced. Um, Brock Lesnar was definitely the most physically 
unbelievable um, to do it. So I was completely ecstatic. And like the first thing that happened, I turned around, I looked at Chris and I looked at Dean. I said, Undertaker had to okay this. He had to give him his blessing. And if Undertaker gave him his blessing, he did it the old school way. He did the, you know, not the job, but he did the, he, he gave him the rub. And he handed it to someone. And Undertaker hasn't done that for 20 Manias. For him to hand it to Lesnar is something big. And like I, you know, like I wrote on, you know, Facebook, it's just. Oh, he definitely wrote on Facebook quite a bit that night. <laughs> it's just what people call a part-timer. Because to me, Brock Lesnar is not a part-timer. Maybe he's a part-time wrestler, but he's definitely not a part-time character. Because I see him in WWE almost every week. Um, it's just, if you're going to consider him a part-timer, which he definitely isn't. He's not RVD. He's not Jericho. He's there a lot. He just doesn't wrestle a lot. Then it's just one part-timer beating uh, another part-timer. So, you know, in that sense, Kambrock is 36, maybe, 37, I'm not sure. He could he could go. He could go 10-0 in the next 10 years if he comes back once a year like Undertaker did at, at peak physical form and beat the next 10 guys. I'm telling you now, you don't want Brock Lesnar to face Daniel Bryan for the world title because the way his push is right now, the way his rub is right now, Daniel Bryan is going to lose the world title. So, I'm just saying you don't want that match right now, Corey. And I know you said Brock I, doesn't show the next think, one. And I don't see Brock winning the title for a long time, if I ever. See, he just isn't there enough. I see him ending. I, mean, not, I see not, him ending there, the year. But he takes, he takes these long periods off. I know, he's but not I... There enough, he's not there enough to be the champion. So is The Rock. Opinion. I think The Champion's got to be there every but how about The Rock? TV. He's the not Rock there. Beat, Rock, beat the, Rock beat Punk. And he just came from filming a movie, didn't show up for two months, and then came to Mania. I just say this. I say I think Lesnar's going to be the champ by the time the year ends. I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, Ed, it's always great having you on the show, especially when uh, we can see how right you always are. Uh, let's give, give our... Uh, At least one-tenth of the time, but the one-tenth was super huge. So absolutely. I'll, I'll well, we're going to have you on again real soon, because we always enjoy these... Uh, these chats. Can uh, I say one more thing? Just one more, and I know you're right. No, you, you can't, and Let absolutely me say, not. No, I have to. Let me say one more thing. Um, just for the IWC, and I'm, I'm throwing up a finger. Internet here, wrestling please. community, yeah. Um, you know, you're not the reason Brian's the world champ, okay? And you're not the reason that he had two matches. You don't think, think the fans are? You don't think the fans are? No, not at all. I, um, he should say really? He should Ed, say Ed, no. you're tell, I'm not saying the IWC, because that's a small amount of fans. He's going to say CM Punk, Punk is the reason why he's The fans in the building who were cheering well, yes, for him are the reason why he's a champion. Oh, no, no, listen. The fans put him over, yes. But all the hijacking and all the IWC nonsense and the people jumping off bridges at Royal Rumble... Um, he should send a bouquet of roses for the way this played out to CM Punk. And Corey saw it coming off my lips, and that's why he said it. He should send a bouquet to CM Punk because, honestly, it looked like Brian was headed towards kind of just a Mania main event match. And I think Punk leaving also thrusted him into that Triple H match, which made him look like a wrestling god by the end of Mania was over. And you know what? I'll be the first one to say it. Did I want him to walk away with the title? No, because I wanted Batista to win it, and I wanted the internet to break. But... He is the right man to do it. So congratulations to him. He should be the champ. Well, the next couple of weeks, like I said, we will have you back on the show. Cool. But before you step away and go back yeah. to your vacation, yep. I'd like to do, uh, just do a quick plug for uh, this week for the Kitchen Sink. Awesome. Yeah, Kitchen Sink, we're going to actually, I'm going to be recording it tonight. Um, we're going to be doing some pretty fun stuff, especially one thing I like doing. And maybe you should, you could jump on if you're following at all. I'm doing, if you could create a, 
an album of your life? What ten? What five songs would you use to create an album of your life? And then we're going to be talking about some um, Ninja Turtles. Have you seen the trailer? It's awesome. But we got some pretty funny stories about um, Ninja Turtles. We're going to give tri- Warrior. It's going to be all about Warrior. Warrior tribute tonight. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about some other stuff concerning like movies and comic books. And we're gonna do uh, word of the week, um, book of the week, and uh, maybe throw in the weird shit here and there. So that was fun. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash kitchen sink twelve. Thanks for the plug, Corey. The kitchen sink. Um, it should be fun. Thanks. Thank you, Ed. We will be back actually with another guest for the first time on the show from the web the website Morin's Law, Christopher Morin. It's gonna be a fun and interesting conversation on wrestling. And maybe even a little sports, which I'm sure everyone will fall asleep to. But we will be back in a moment. Just the kitchen no, sink. No. Wait, no. This no, isn't the kitchen sink. No. 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 the podcast. So let me make a promise of my own. I am not the one. I am not the viper. I am not the animal. I am not the king of swing. I am not the boss. I am the measuring stick. I am the standard bearer. I am John Cena. Any WWE superstar can talk all they want, but past, present, or future, they do know if they want their feet planted firmly on the top of the WWE mountain, well, they better go through me to do it. Welcome back to the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast, where, like Jay, you had to listen to uh, Ed gloat and actually be happy for a change, which, you know, never is a good thing for anybody, but... To move on to other things, once again, this is Corey and Jason. We are thrilled to be joined by Christopher Morin of Morin's Law blog, which you can find at morinslaw.com. Christopher, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being on the show. Uh, I've heard the show. It's, it's really good. You guys keep up the good work. You're doing a great job. Thank you, sir. Now, uh, right off the top, uh, as we were talking right before we came back from break, you had mentioned that you have become over the last couple of weeks a mark, which in the mm-hmm. wrestling terms is, let's say, a, in one way a fan, to say the least, of uh, the Bad News Barrett gimmick, which, as you saw in the Hall of Fame and with the, let's just say, foreign crowd at Mania, he was, for the first time, truly, really over with this gimmick. And we started off last night with the IC uh, title uh, contenders tournament. And Bad News Barrett got a win over uh, Dolph Ziggler. How about you start us off with uh, little Wade Barrett and what you thought about the first night of the tournament? Well, I mean, look, how can you not love Wade Barrett? The gimmick, the music. I mean, let's be honest. Is that not the best music you've heard in a long time? The entrance and everything. Um, he's a legit badass. He's a good worker, great on the mic. I, didn't, I think he, he was actually buried for quite a long time. If you think about his role as the leader of Nexus, they, he's almost been wasted for two years. And now that he has this push, I just hope they continue doing it, and I hope it works. And um, I love the whole idea behind the IT uh, title tournament. I think people have been talking about how they've buried this title for so long, along with the U.S. title, and uh, the prestige needs to be brought back, especially when you take into account that they've consolidated the world title with the WWE title. So there needs to be that secondary title that means something again. 
So I'm, I'm in full favor of this tournament. Now, Christopher, as far as the IC title, we've been talking about the IC title forever and that they need to emphasize it, that they need to do something with it. What do you think about the idea of them pushing it? Do you think that this is kind of a one-night deal where they wanted to really prop up the Warrior and not go crazy with the angle, so they decided to do this, you know, IC title tournament number one contenders? Or do you see them actually pushing the IC title and making it more of an emphasis on Raw and in the company? Well, here's the one thing. People, they always say, believe in the Shield. Well, you know who I believe in? I'm starting to become a real believer in Triple H. And as the, the man behind the scenes who runs all this, he has really put a focus on wrestling once again and a focus on these titles. And as long as he's calling the shots right now, how do you not believe in the future of everything? I mean, right now, now again, it, it's, it's easy to be optimistic and then see something that we don't like and we're going to disagree with. But right now, I think even the WWE, the biggest detractor of this company, cannot ignore what's going on right now. Now, what is your pick for this tournament? I personally think that they're still going to try to, at least with a blow-off match at Extreme Rules, you're going to see Jack Swagger versus Cesaro to end that. And I would most likely say it would be RVD versus Wade Barrett in the finals. Do you think that's where they're going to go with the face versus heel? Or do you think that this is uh, Cesaro's moment and they're going to just skyrocket him with the title? Oh, I firmly believe that. I mean, as a Paul Heyman guy, I mean, it's just the writing is on the wall. Now, they could go the other way and just surprise us. Because lately, they have been the opposite of predictable, which is a, a, breath, a breath of fresh air. Because we've always talked about how predictable WWE is. And lately, they've gone against the grain. So maybe they could give us something different. Um, I would love, personally, to see a Cesaro Barrett final. I think it's there. I mean, look, not everyone can get pushed. Not everyone can wear a title. But at least you can elevate that guy to that to, to say, hey, this is going to be our future or he's going to be in our plan. And um, I, th- I think that's how it should play out. So I, I agree with you for sure. I think whoever wins this tournament is going to win the IC title. I think Big E has really kind of been um, almost de-pushed in the last few months and de-emphasized on the show. My question is about Cesaro. We all love him. I mean, I'm assuming you love him like we all do. Now he's with Heyman, and he doesn't have music. Heyman comes out and puts over the streak, so the fans boo him. Then he brings Shazara out, and then they kind of half cheer him. Where do you see them going with Shazara? Do you see them pushing him to a babyface good guy or a heel bad guy role? Uh, and, and how do you think? Do you think that's going to be more of an effect of the fans, or do you think the WWE will kind of push him in that direction? Well, how about the tweener role? I mean, we we talked about tweeners for years now, and he could play that role well with Heyman as his manager. It is a bit of a catch-22 because you see the popularity growing with him. However, they can't have everyone as a a face. They have to have legit heels. And, I mean, so it's kind of a gray area with do you make him a heel or a tweener. I I just, I mean, that's going to be Triple H's call at the end of the day. I don't, I, I mean, I think anything works for Cesaro right now. All right, one final thing on the IC tournament. Do you, in the past, who's ever had a secondary title has basically become, within quick measure, just the next guy that the actual guys that they care about in the company beat every week. Do you think with the focus with this tournament 
this could be a change for the better? Or do you fear if a Cesaro or a Barrett win the title, this could be, unfortunately, just the way everything goes where they'll be losing to Batista or Randy Orton or Punk. I'm well, not Punk because he's not there, but the higher up guys in the company, and he's basically, you know, just another guy. And that's a great question. In fact, by the way, Punk did get a chair last night, which was funny at, at the end of the show. Um, I, I hope that the title now becomes something where you go, okay, like back in the 90s, 80s, 90s, the IC champion was that, that next guy to become the world champion. So hopefully whoever becomes, whether it's Cesaro, Barrett, you name him, hopefully they can get that limelight where they're in that maybe even challenging they, they come out and call out the champion. They want to they fight the world champion now. And that's where it needs to go. Because as we talk about with prestige, you want to see that title have its meaning that it has. Because here's another thing. When you looked at the champion, the IC champion back in the 80s and 90s, they were big names. They were guys that mattered. They weren't always guys, like guys that you knew didn't have a future. Like you, you talk about Austin and then The Rock going after the IC title. There's been so many legendary battles over the IC title that needs to return. I agree 100%. Uh, now, moving on to, um, you know, really the, the show is about the IC title and then the ultimate warrior, Jim Helwig. I thought they did a great job with the tribute last night. We kind of talked about that. You wrote on your blog something about the warrior tribute, and you kind of liked how they did it. Um, if you could just share your thoughts on the tribute um, to the listeners of the Work Shoot podcast, and also, any thoughts or memories you have of the Ultimate Warrior growing up? Well, first and foremost, it, it was very emotional um, to see all the wrestlers on the stage wearing Warrior T-shirts, to see Vince McMahon out there, who we haven't seen on camera in so long, and to, to see that video montage. And I, I've said this numerous times, and I'll say it again. Um, when you see the video of him with his daughters, that just tears me apart. I mean, it's the saddest thing. And then to learn that his daughters are just beyond devastated handling the loss of their father. Um, but the, the tribute, it was nice. It was, it was very, it was very touching. And, uh, now you learn that they're going to do something all week from WWE Network. And, um, oh man, it's, it's, I, I never thought I'd be this emotional about, about the passing of Warrior. And it just really hit me more than I thought. And, and to read and to hear all the feedback from people whose life lives touched as a child, it's remarkable. And um, I hope that they continue to do this. And, and I hope this week is a lot of, it's, it's very interesting in how they portray the worry. And maybe we get to hear the superstars talk about him and what he meant because they did follow him around with a camera. So it would be great to see a lot of the video with him interacting with some of the WWE superstars. Uh, once again, we are joined by Christopher Morin from Morin'sLaw.com. Uh, this is Corey and Jason from the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. Just want to get into which we spoke about for a couple of moments with uh, the overly giddy, to say the least, uh, Ed before the break from Catch uh, Sing Podcast. What was your opinion on the Undertaker's streak ending and the whole entire vibe of that night? Um, well, people aren't going to like this, so Undertaker fans, but I thought the streak was boring. I was tired of it. I, in fact, I thought Punk should have gone over last year. I thought it would have made sense to pass the torch. Clearly, we've learned over the years that the Undertaker has a lot of political stroke backstage, and uh, Lesnar was his guy, and 
And when initially, which we we come to learn, the storyline was going to be Daniel Bryan breaking the streak, and then when CM Punk left, that opened the door. So then Undertaker went and said, "Hey, I want Lesnar to end this." So, I I mean, Lesnar ending it, nobody was thrilled with, and it did shock the world. But um, hey, it is what it is. I mean, I'm I'm actually happy that it's over. I mean, they, 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 everyone was talking about who was going to wrestle for the next ten years. The guy is what forty nine years old. How much longer could he have done this? That is uh, that is very true. Um, where do you think they go with uh, the Beast Incarnate Eddie's as he's uh, he's called Brock Lesnar? I mean, it looks like he might be taking a little bit of a break right now. Like he usually, and which is a little weird because he usually does work the Extreme Rules uh, pay per view right after Mania. But where do you see them going, or do you just see Cesaro being the focus with Heyman and? A couple of months from now, we'll just see him come back out of nowhere. Well, um, with Lesnar, it's interesting because everyone uh, was writing online and saying things about how, well, now he's going to be the focal point of the company. Breaking the streak would make sense. Put him in the title picture immediately. But people forget about the contract. And they say, well, he doesn't want to work the full schedule. So mm-hmm. how is that going to happen? And clearly that seems to be the case now with him just vanishing again. So it's kind of it's very odd to me that, um, you have a guy that's money. I mean, Brock Lesnar is all about money. He's proven it with buy rates over the years, although now with the network, buy rates don't matter, although I guess buys matter in terms of how many people subscribe to the network. But, um, it, hey, it's ultimately his call. So I guess they have to work around what he wants to do. So it's it's a difficult situation. I'm sure they would love to have him as a full-time guy. So I, I don't know, I mean, what they're going to do with him. Now, moving on to uh, another company, one that's doing well in the WWE and one now we could say maybe is floundering in TNA. So they did the big title change this week or last week on Thursday, and Eric Young is now the new TNA World Heavyweight Champion. What are your thoughts on them giving him the belt, and what are your thoughts on TNA you know, as a whole and, and how they're doing? Well, look, we've seen more embarrassing moments in the history of wrestling, such as David Arquette winning the WCW World Title. So Eric Young winning it isn't as bad as it may seem. I mean, the guy's been in the business for 10 years. We've seen him win every title in the company, basically. Um, Now, the interesting thing is he has never been pushed as a main event wrestler. So it almost seems like TNA, which they've been doing a lot of lately, went out of their way to copy WWE a la Danny Bryan, in a sense. And um, that's why it was bad. And a lot of the things they've done over the last three to six months has looked like they're just stealing the storyline of WWE and tweaking it, if you will. So, um, look, I think it's a hot shot at the, the angle, obviously. And now he's just going to be – I wouldn't be surprised if he loses the belt this week or the week after. He's not going to keep it for long. I, I, I don't imagine he will. Um, but the company is a mess right now, to say the least. I don't think they know what they want to do. They just added Christy Heavy. <laughs> I can think about this for a second. Christy Heavy is now on the creative team. I don't know what that says to anybody out there, but that's kind of scary to me. Well, I think by Christy Heavy being told she's on the creative team, we can officially blame her for the disaster known as Sam Shaw due to the fact that she's involved with this story that will never end. But um, we were going to talk about this in news, but we brought up TNA. TNA actually did something slightly surprising. They actually re-signed somebody instead of losing them for a change. Over the last couple of days and just crossed the uh, the wire that TNA has re-signed uh, Robbie E to a multi-year deal. And Robbie also, E? And, <laughs> and, uh, 
and Gunner and uh, James hey, Storm. Let's go with AJ and keep uh, and keep uh, Robbie E. Let's be honest. I think them. I think that was mostly a little bit difference in the amount of money that they were asking for. But what are your? What's your opinion? I guess we'll do both sides. Of that one, them actually re-signing, you know, the Gunners and the James Storms of the world, and then the other part, cutting salary with, you know, not re-signing AJ and letting Sting and some of these other bigger name guys go. Yeah, it's a sad state of the company when clearly budget is a factor right now, and they can't even determine who's going to be the guy to keep based on financial, and that's the biggest problem. How are you going to go forward if you can't even keep certain guys? I mean, guys that WWE doesn't even want. That's the scary part. You got AJ now working the independence. I mean, I don't know what their thought process here is. I mean, it's. I think it's sad. It's just sad because they they don't have the money. I mean, I read that they 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 couldn't even work the Hammerstein Ballroom because of the the amount of money it costs. So they're working the Manhattan Center instead. Think about that for a second. It's scary. That is definitely true. Um, before we move on to uh, another subject, I want to just bring up with TNA also that I don't know if it was because of WrestleMania week, but their ratings actually went up slightly, which for TNA, you know, a tenth of a point is usually a good sign, you know, that someone actually is watching. I don't know if it was because of, like I said, WrestleMania week, but there was actually seemed to be some interest in TNA. Do you think that TNA, with what they're doing right now with the Wolves, Sonata, uh, Tiger Uno, bringing in some of these younger guys... Do you think that's a good sign, or do you think that's just these are the cheapest guys we can get right now, and we're doing whatever we can do to go and hope that Spike TV renews our deal? Well, it's a good sign if they let these guys wrestle. The key word is wrestle. They get these guys in the ring, and they're in and out in four minutes. How about you build something with these guys? Let everybody see what they can do. Not every match has to be 20 minutes, but you give them more than five minutes. We're not, now, I love what MVP is with the storyline and him pushing these guys and getting them in the ring and doing something different versus what Dixie Carter was doing, although we know she's still calling the shots, which is mind-blowing to say the least. Um, but, yeah, you have to take these guys and let them do what they do best. TNA has to have their own identity. That's the key here. When you look at teenage history, 2005-ish, when they had the X Division, when they had the knockout division at the top of the company, people were interested. They were putting on great matches. Now you don't see that anymore. What, what do you see? All these horrible backstage sketches. And, and these guys can't act. This is the worst part. They have a lot of good wrestlers, but none of these guys can pull off what WWE does in terms of creative. Yeah, no, I agree. Tina's got so many issues. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. It's so sad because they do have a million people that watch their show every week. And they have those people. And they've never been able to branch out and get more people to listen to, to, to watch them. And there's so many reasons for that that we've gone into, you know, uh, so many times. But moving on to a TNA subject, not TNA subject, the supposedly second largest uh, stockholder in TNA, uh, who now owns a company called Global Force Wrestling, Mr. Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> um did you let me ask you this first are you a member of the force christopher did you join the force i have not yet i haven't received my membership card although some people online are already calling it global farce <laughs> um i don't know what the plan is look initially he was, he was supposed to he was making a push to buy tna as we all know and Dixie carter well her father 
wanted her involved in the storyline had Jared bought the company, which is, I don't, you can't, there's no words for that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know which, I mean, obviously he's backed financially by Toby Keith. Um, is there any word about a TV deal? Have we heard anything yet? So this is the latest. Um, and this is by the Hollywood Reporter. Dave Brew, who is the creator of The Biggest Loser, he has been, uh, he will now be involved. He of uh, the 25-7 productions will be joining Jeff Jarrett, and he will be the executive to produce new matches as well as unscripted programming. So it looks like they are, um, those two are shopping the TV rights uh, to different networks, and they're trying to get interest from different networks. So it sounds like it's going to be this guy, Dave Broom, who created Biggest Loser, not sure what that has to do with wrestling. Um, Dave Broom and Jeff Jarrett are going to try to get some TV deals for a global force wrestler. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, good luck with that. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. the website looks, did you go to the website? It looks so cheesy. Look, here's the bottom line. I love Karen Jarrett. I get look at Karen Jarrett all day. They just put her up for an hour on the television screen. I'm not watched for the whole hour. It's her. So <laughs> maybe that can be consideration for them. I mean, she's going to be probably one of the first people you, person, people you see coming out. So, you know, you'll get your chance to see Karen Jarrett at least for the next year or so, until the company goes under. I don't know, man. It, it looks it looks real shaky. I mean, it's a little cheesy, and, you know, if... I mean, the thing is, and I, we talked about this last week, Corey went crazy about Jeff Jarrett, but if they get TV, if they can get a, TV, a good TV deal, they've got a chance. If they don't get TV, they don't have a prayer. So, you know, if they can get TV, they'll have a chance. But I just, I I don't know. And it sounds like also what they said was they're not going to just be having wrestling matches. Um, hold on, here's the quote. It won't, this is the quote from Dave Broom. It won't just be a bunch of wrestling matches. We have exciting announcements to come. TNA or WWE right now is match after match after match. Global Force Wrestling is not going to do that. There will be matches, but there will be a lot more and a lot more variety placed into the actual events that will be really innovative and fresh. I don't know what the hell that means, but it scares the hell out of me. Hey, if, it, if it's Karen Jarrett bikini shoots, I'm all for it. Um, but again, when you talk about them existing, like TNA, they exist. But, you know, no play on words here, but I mean, has TNA ever made an impact? That's the thing. I mean, what are these companies, to exist is one thing, but to have an impact is another. And neither company, it, I don't think, will ever have that. And you know what? I I fully agree. I mean, as much, and we'll talk, the last thing we're going to talk about quickly for a goal will be a second on ROH. But I've said this, I said this last week, I may have lost my, lost my cool for a moment. Jeff Jarrett has, the only reason why Jeff Jarrett has, has a company is because Vince McMahon won't hire him and he still wants to go and perform. It's the only reason why we have TNA. It's the only reason why we have The Force. And I'm guessing Yoda will be the uh, the match, the booker for that company, I'm guessing. I don't know. But, I mean, TNA, GWF or GFW, whatever we want to call it, I guess Bull Payne and the Lightning Kid weren't available to work with the, you know, with the Patriot. Couldn't they call it something better? Global Force Wrestling? It sounds so cheesy. <laughs> it's a terrible name. You mean almost the cheesiest TNA? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. That is true. But, uh, Chris, before we let you go, uh, yeah. on May 17th, Jay will actually meet you in person because the three of us will be going to go see uh, ROH. Uh, basically, it's ROH versus New Japan Pro Wrestling. ROH, I think, is actually doing a pretty good job on what they have right now and trying to build their own guys. You know, um, what is your opinion on the product right now? Do you do you see them just by default being number three, or do you like what they're they're doing right now? Now, here's the funny thing that you say that when you say they're number three. Answer this question: How can TNA be number two when they can't even book the Hammerstein Ballroom, but ROH can afford to do that? Isn't that an indictment on everything TNA is doing right now? You can't even call them number two based on that. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I can't that's, just, that's interesting. I guess the only thing you could say is Spike TV has, reaches more people than uh, the, the company that runs them, uh, Sinclair. I guess it's the only yeah, reason I mean, why. They, they're on Thursday night. They're on every Thursday night at 9 o'clock. So they have solid TV. So that's why they have to be. And they have, we know they have a million people watching them every week. They're not a better company than ROH, not by a long shot, but. They basically are the number two company by default. But how about when you take into effect the gate? I mean, if, if Ring of Honor is doing 3,500 people in a solar Hammerstein ballroom and TNA is barely drawing 500 people to their weekly television tapings on top of less than 500 people to any house show that they may do, with the exception of when they go to MCU Park in Brooklyn and draw 3,000 people, that's pretty sad. So yeah, that's, hard that's to an excellent with point. Uh, well, but, um, yes, Chris, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Chris, the floor is yours. Um, with, with Ring of Honor right now, I, I can't say I've been following the product thoroughly, but, I, I mean, with AJ Styles there, I mean, it, I'm sure it, the interest is, has sparked. And I know with new, with uh, the involvement with, what is it, New Japan, correct? Yes. Yeah. New Japan, I mean, I, I look, I've been watching Ring of Honor on and off for 12 years. They've had every guy go through that company, and it's always been – great wrestling that's the key that that's what they do differently from tna right now that team they need to get back to giving people good wrestling that's what we want to see we don't need to see five in a match totally agree with that well chris i want to say uh for jay thank you very much for giving us uh quite a bit of time today if people want to check out christopher morton uh you can go to mortonslaw.com where you'll hear uh, well not here i'm sorry you'll read some very interesting takes on mixed martial arts, sports, uh, him, you know, sticking it to the Nick fans by saying, you know, oops, sorry you didn't make it this year, and uh, wrestling. But before we let you go, I, I didn't tell you guys in advance, but Jay is a Packers fan. You're a, uh, a Bears fan. I'm sure that uh, at some point the two of you will uh, have conversations about uh, – those two teams. But until next time, Chris, I want to thank you very much for uh, joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Christopher. Take care. Uh, well, well, I mean, the only negative about this dude is that he's a Bears fan. I like him. <laughs> All right, guys. We will be back with our final segment in a few moments. This is Corey, joined by Jay, as always. The Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. We'll be back in a couple of moments, guys. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today, today is your day to shine. Make it the best day you've ever had. After all, today is a gift.
That's why they call it the present. All you have to do is believe. Welcome back to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Like with every good meal, you have your appetizer, your entree, and everyone's favorite part, the dessert. And with uh, this week's dessert, Jay, how about you take it away with a little news? All right. Am I the dessert or is the news the dessert? I can't be the dessert for everyone. I am a committed man at this point. Um, it gonna... depends on how attractive she is. Maybe, you know, I could, uh, I could always ask for permission. Well, you know, depending on what story comes up in the news, we could always say that, you know, you're, you're the cherry on top of that delicious dessert. But I was more saying the fact that we got the guests out of the way. We had a really good time with our appetizer with Ed telling us how wrong we were about, you know, The Undertaker. We had our main course with a really good interview with Christopher Morin from morinslaw.com. Very good blog. And now we come back to uh, the thing that everyone really comes for. Dark chocolate and vanilla. Corey and Jay. <laughs> and the spotlight part of every show. Jason Brooks giving us that news. So, Jay, <laughs> let's start this off because it's getting a little awkward with me, you know, telling you that you're a cherry. <laughs> I actually wanted to see how far you were going to go. If you were going to start making more stuff up and getting more into it. I mean, we I can continue this. Wrong. I mean... You're on vacation. I don't have anything to do right now besides edit the show after it's over. So we can do double entendres as long as you want. But I don't want, you know, to get the uh, the Mrs. Jealous on, you know, me. <laughs> Fair enough. And, you know, she would have a right. All right. So uh, going um, to uh, the sad news of the Ultimate Warrior and news of the week, TMC is reporting that uh, WWE Hall of Famer, the Ultimate Warrior, passed away due to a massive heart attack. According to their report, the warrior's death was ruled as natural with no alcohol or drugs directly involved. Obviously, directly is the key word because uh, the warriors always admitting, admitted to the use of steroids, often saying there was a difference between use and abuse. So there is that history. According to the medical examiner, the official cause of death was heart disease. Uh, on to other news, DirecTV is done carrying the WWE pay-per-views. DirecTV has decided they will not carry the WWE pay-per-views moving forward, although the representation I spoke with noted that, and this is from, who, which one is this from, Corey? Uh, this oh, I'm sorry, this is uh, Mike Johnson from uh, PW Insider. Sorry okay. about that. The representative that Mike Johnson spoke with at PW Insider noted the reserve, they, they do reserve the right to change that decision at any time. Uh, as of right now, WrestleMania 30 would be final event carried by DirecTV. Now, be- um, go ahead. Now, before we move on to other news, I want to get into this one for a couple of minutes because this is twofold. I wanted to bring this up earlier, but just you know, didn't work into the conversation. But I think this is really interesting. The idea- first, we had uh, Dish Network, who basically said we weren't going to, they weren't doing ext- uh, the final Elimination Chamber pay per view. Then they came back, took the money. And did WrestleMania, and they're saying they're going to do a case-by-case basis. Then you have DirecTV now say that they're done, which they might change their mind depending on, you know, if they see that, you know, maybe the UFC and boxing isn't bringing enough revenue with their pay-per-view purchases. But I think it's very interesting. I don't know if it has to do with the stock price basically plummeting from the WWE Network, going from around 30 to, 
yesterday, I don't know what it is now, but it was $19 and change. So it's gone down like a third in the last, you know, week and a half. But now we've got a free free uh, preview week again for the WWE Network. So all these things going into motion. I mean, this is going to be very interesting seeing if this is just going to be a huge game of cat and mouse to see who blinks first, if the WWE or, you know, direct the DirecTVs of the world, you know? Because pay-per-view I mean, is I mean, a big network, thing. The network's not going anywhere, Corey. I mean, they can't go anywhere for a while. they they got to put all their chips... You know, they have, you know, they had a good hand. They put all their chips in the, in the table, and this is where they're at. You know, they really can't. I mean, they can go back to the pay-per-views at some point, but I, I think they've got to stick with this model for a while. At least until they go international and check that out. Um, it does concern you that the stock prices go down, one. Two, that they're doing a free trial again, so they didn't get enough subscribers the first time. And, you know... There's some. There's got to be some worry from the WWF, WWE, sorry, officials in terms of the network maybe not doing as well as they could have done. Um, and I know the stock market has had some issues, but I mean that's a that's a, a lot of uh, pro, you know their stocks going down quite a bit. Hey, you know, would you say? Hey, you know, if this stock goes down anymore, you know, Mystic uh, Man's no longer to be a billionaire. He'll be back being a millionaire. I mean, it's, 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 it's stock is taking. A huge hit. I mean, it's basically down ten dollars in a, in, a, in a week. Yeah, and, we'll, and so was that thirty, and now it's at nineteen. Uh, as of this recording, at three twenty-four p.m., the stock is at twenty dollars and seventy-three cents. So it's up. Uh, let's see, it is up thirty. It's up seventy-four cents for the day. But, but it's but still where, where, was it at, where, where was it at before it collapsed? Uh, thirty thirty one ninety eight. So they've lost thirty percent of their stock, thirty five percent of their stock almost. And what has it been a week? About two ten, weeks? About ten days. I mean, that is that's scary. And I understand that people, you know, saw the stock at a high level, and this was a time where they're going to go and cash out and get, you know, make their make their money. But it's whew, that makes you yeah, think, you know. Yeah. It, how long before you know after the six months? Do they get wait six months and then raise it to you know eleven ninety nine or twelve ninety nine? Do they wait a, a year? Tough, Court. You're gonna ask people who are paying for this to say, okay, now we're gonna raise it and you're gonna pay more. I mean, they could do that, but I think that's going to piss people off. Yeah, but you know what? Major League Baseball and Directv with the NFL package, all these things. Every year there is an increase. So, I mean, that's just a natural. I mean, if you have, like, you know, these pay sites like, Net, you know, Netflix and Hulu, Amazon Prime, after a certain amount of time, they raise the price. I mean, I think everyone's got to expect there will be a price increase. But if the viewership or, I'm sorry, the subscribers isn't as many as you would hope, if it's after six months they're asking for a price increase, I think that's gouging your customers. And I think that's a scary, you know, proposition. Yeah, I think after a year, that's fine. After six months, I think is things a bit dicey. Uh, I think it's a bit dicey. So we'll see where they go there. I mean, let's let's be well, before we get to the next news story. One last thing. I mean, let's let's be honest. We're going to see one of the reasons Directv might be out as of right now is maybe with the streaming with the network, there weren't enough people. Like I said, we don't have the final number by any stretch yet, but maybe the amount of people who actually bought the uh, the WrestleMania on pay per view. 
wasn't enough to, to make them say, this is something we have to keep. And that's not a good sign if, all, if they only got you know, 600,000 people on streaming and if they still didn't get another you know, 600,000 you know, to get over a million or million ahead, you know, a million one buys for the pay-per-view, that's, that's not a good sign. Well, they, they usually get, what, around a million buys for the WrestleMania? Just about, hopefully. Um, they probably did well. But, you know, we don't know that because now these numbers are all skewed because of, um, you know, not because of the network. So, um, on to a couple other stories. One WWE related. Dave Meltzer has reported that the deal, got, the deal is done between staying at WWE and the WWE is simply waiting for Sting to sign the physical contract. Uh, it is not known if it's a Legends deal or it, whether it's to be an in-ring participant. Uh, it's a good sign, the fact that this at least is finally, this saga is finally going to be over. At least know if he's, you know, if he's coming or going. I mean, TNA, I guess, honestly finally thought this was happening because uh, they finally took him off the roster page, which, you know, he left the company three or four months ago, and they finally decided to go. And uh, I mean, TNA is a disaster where, you know, as far as we know, you know, if you look at the TNA website on the roster page, Abyss is still the TV champion. But, you know, we haven't seen him with the title since the day he won it, so we don't even know if that title even exists anymore. So TNA is not exactly the greatest judge of who's there and who's not. But going back to, uh, to the story at hand, I think that Sting... Is that missing piece on what if you want to do a history of WCW and different things, you know, I think he's got to be in the WWE in some form. And I'm glad to see that this saga hopefully will finally be uh, put to bed. I mean, it would have been nice if they had this done and you had the guy who was the original centerpiece with the Warrior, you know, might have been able to do something saying, you know, a goodbye or something. But things didn't work out that way and we'll move on from here. And in TNA News, TNA announced new multiple-year deals for James, Cowboy James Storm, former champion, and Gunner, with more to be announced. So it sounds like they are, we talked about Robbie E being signed, which I'm very, really excited about. It sounds like they are trying to lock up guys, which is a good sign. I mean, yes, they don't have money for the big guys like AJ, guys like that, but they are trying to lock up. You know, some of their other core guys, and I would consider Gunner, I would consider James Storm core guys. Uh, Rob, Robbie E is one half of the tag team champion, so I guess you can consider him a core guy. So I really look at this as a positive for TNA, that they're actually able to keep some of their core guys. Let me ask you this, though. Before we move on to the, the other signings, uh, that I, I don't know how to put this without sounding like a jerk more than usual, but... Are they making these signings to to go and put a false front of the idea that this company is still in good shape? Because, you know, a lot of people, when you, you hear them, they say if Spike TV does not renew their TV deal, TNA's done anyway. So, I mean, do you think that they're resigning these guys just to keep morale up? And if Spike TV stays a partner in this, they have guys to put on a TV product? Or do you think there's, they're actually doing better than everyone ex- says they're doing? I think that they did not sign James Storm or Gunner to big contracts, so the money was there to sign these guys. I think that they don't have the money that they really should have at this point. I think it is a morale boost for the locker room because they've been losing a lot of guys. 
I also think that, to be honest with you, Gunner, Gunner and Cowboy James Storm, where are they going anyway? To the WWE? You know, James Storm, I think, is, you know, mid-30s, upper-30s. You know, so they, they weren't going anywhere, so their negotiating power is probably limited. They've been there for a while. They like it there. They probably didn't give them much of a raise from what they already got. You know, if I had to guess. And so I think that's what it was about. The money was there for them to sign them, and they did. Kind of, uh, you know, the money wasn't there for AJ. They had to, would have to give him too much. And so that, that's kind of where it's at. The money worked out, basically. I mean, I would say that when when I see news coming, off, coming up from uh, TNA that they've re-signed Bobby Roode to a long-term deal or Samoa Joe to a long-term deal, I'll believe this as being, you know, more than just, okay, we decided to make a little bit news on, you know, on Twitter with, uh, you know, trying to make people forget that Christy Hemme's on the creative team. You know, I mean, like I said, if they sign Joe, Samoa Joe, or Bobby Roode to a long-term deal, I'll, I'll be impressed. Gunner and James Storm, they're nice pieces to the puzzle, but they're, they're not the, but they're not, you know, the crust. You know, they're not, they're not what everyone's going there to see. I mean, really, Corey, they can sign whoever the hell they want to sign. It's not going to matter if Spike TV, they don't re-up with Spike TV for the TV contract. They can sign Bobby Roode. They can sign AJ back. They can sign Hulk Hogan. They can sign whoever they want to sign. If they don't have TV, they're done. So we'll find out soon if they're done. If they get TV, then I think they could, you know, maybe bring some guys back that they let go or, you know, what, what have you. But if they don't get TV or keep TV, then they're done anyway as a company. All right, so moving on to Ring of Honor news. Um, so I know, hold on one second, Corey. That was, that was a mistake on my part. My tablet messed, messed me up here. Um, on the Ring of Honor news, Ring of Honor officials announced that the 2014 top prospect, Hanson, and the 2014 top prospect runner-up, uh, Raymond Rowe, have officially signed, and the two have formed a tag team known as War Machine. I've watched these guys a bit. I watched most of the top prospect tournament. You know, I like both of these guys. They seem like they're you know good workers. Um, talking wise, they didn't talk too much, but you know I, I think they they've got potential. They're two big guys who can work, and I think Ring, Ring of Honor you know continues to bring in talent. And uh, you know these two guys are, are a good addition to Ring of Honor. How how would you compare like uh, these two guys to last year's top prospect winner? Uh, Matt Taven, who went on to, uh, you know, beat the current uh, ROH champion uh, Adam Cole, and you know, uh, basically hold the title, basically the TV title, basically for a year. Had a had a nice push with uh, the House of Truth, and you know, do you think either one of them has the potential to do what Matt Taven did in his first year? I, I don't think so. I think um, Taven wrestled a pretty charismatic style. Um, I think he got better on the mic as the year went along. Uh, and so I don't see those guys having that potential. I think there's a reason why they put them into a tag team together um, because neither guy is really outstanding on their own, um, in my opinion. I do like them, but I just don't think that they're great. I think they're more put them in a tag team, let them develop, let them get better, and then put them you know, as singles competitors later on in their career. So moving on to the last uh, bit of news today, Ring of Honor will debut their new Future of Honor concept this Friday uh, in Pennsylvania. Designed to showcase underneath talents and up-and-coming talents, 
who could be one day added to the roster. These Future of Honor events will run regularly over the course of the year. Some guys scheduled to appear will be Ring of Honor champ Adam Cole, Ring of Honor television champ Jay Lethal, uh, and uh, Mark and Jay Briscoe. So basically, they're going to have a bunch of young guys there. They're going to have them face some of the you know current Ring of Honor guys and kind of put these guys over. I think it's a brilliant idea. I I, I love it. What do you think, Corey? I think this is could be their version of kind of what NXT is. And I think that I think this is a great idea. I mean, I think this is another property for uh, ROH to go and slowly build up guys because. Unfortunately, as much as we love ROH, if someone is is good enough and shows something, their next step is the WWE or TNA. ROH, you know, by default is number three. And when we were talking to Christopher earlier that, you know, maybe they should be number two because they're a better product than TNA right now. But with money and TV, you know, cable TV, which they have, like I said, Sinclair – compared to, you know, Spike TV and USA Network, guys are only going to get so far in ROH before they, if they're good enough and they're seen, move up to the next level. And this is a way to keep on replenish, replenishing what you have there. So I think this is a great move. Yeah, I agree. And, and Corey, this is the thing, right? We talk about TNA every freaking week about the stupid stuff that they're doing, about having all this money and not making the right moves, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been watching Ring of Honor now. They've been on this uh, Sinclair Broadcasting, I think, for maybe a year and a half, two years now. And they continuously do things the right way. Without the TV, with you know, where, where they have a pay-per-view, but they'll have tape shows four weeks in advance, and they have to, you know, they can't really give you all the angles exactly at the right time after the pay-per-views. You know, they don't have the money. But they do things the right way. Their angles make sense. You know, and it's simple. It's not, you know, always this craziness. You know, Jay Briscoe hurts his shoulder and they strip him of the title. Then he gets mad and says, I'm the real champion, creates his own belt and says, I need to, I'm, I'm the champion, and then fights Adam Cole and starts a feud with him, which I thought was a really well-done feud. Michael Elgin for months has been saying, I need to be the Ring of Honor champion. I need a title shot. And he comes out and he just beats the hell out of guys. You know, they just do things. Their angles make sense. What they do business-wise has seemed to make sense with the iPay-Per-Views. The New Japan thing is awesome. I don't understand why TNA can't follow a model of keep it simple, stupid. Why are they trying to do so much? Keep it simple, have simple angles, simple storylines, and I think they can get the fans into it. Because then when something happens, it'll be meaningful. When the evolution came out, that meant something. That we haven't seen those guys in five years. When Daniel Bryan won the title, that meant something. When Eric Young won the title, we thought, oh, they're basically just copying off the WWE. When Ring of Honor had Adam Cole, we thought that was interesting. That was different. That was cool. They changed his music. They did something completely different with them. I don't understand why TNA can't put that together. They have all these people there writing these shows, trying to make these shows better. Some things they do good, like the beautiful people I thought was great. They've done good things in the past. I don't understand where it falls through, how, you know, what their plan is. If they even have a plan, you know, 
Christopher Morton, uh, Morton's Laura blog, we had him on. He talked about them hot-shotting the angle, Eric Young winning. So for you guys who don't know, a hot-shotting is basically they push the angle very, very quickly. They push the story very, very quickly to have him win. It wasn't necessary because Daniel Bryan won at WrestleMania. They have to have this guy win at this event. It just, they just do things wrong all the time. They've wasted millions of dollars over the last 10 years with this company, and they should have been making money. They've had so many talented guys there, so many good guys. It's, it's ridiculous. It's really, really ridiculous. You know what they remind me of? They remind me of a poorly run sports team that's been bad for years. You know, here in upstate New York, we have the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they haven't made the playoffs in 14 years. They've been in uh, last place in the division the last six years. Just poor management year after year after year. It's, I don't, it's sad because you know that there's a good chance this company's going under. I think it's 50-50. And it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this way. And that rant is brought to you by Mordenslaw.com this week. Uh, I, you know what? I can't disagree with you. I mean, I, just like you, there's things that work in every company. There's things that don't. Unfortunately, with TNA, there's a lot more things that don't work than do work. And unfortunately, that you would like to go and be super positive and just talk about all the good. But when the bad is so glaring, unfortunately, you fed, you forget about the positives. And unfortunately, the negatives, you know, shine through. Uh, before we call it a day this week, I wanted to bring up something we brought up quickly in segment one. And I just want to get your take on this. Now, we had the 11-on-2 jobber, I'm sorry, 11-on-3 jobbers come out against the Shield. And it involved uh, Wade Barrett, who appears to be getting a semi-push, and Alexander Rusov who supposedly is going to, you know, could be a next big thing. Do you think that having Rusev as part of that on 11-on-3 beatdown was a mistake? I mean, I do. I think that he should be separated from especially anything that involves, you know, 3MB and, you know, Axel and Ryback, you know, these guys who are the lower to, to if you want to even say mid-card, to enhancement talent at this point. I think when you have new guys who you hope have a future, you keep them away from certain things. You know, I mean, and it kind of didn't make sense. Why is Rusev, who part of his gimmick is that this this chick, sorry, woman Lana, is the only thing that basically, you know, is controlling his rage. And you have him just as part of an 11 on, two, 11 on 3 match where he's just standing there waiting for a tag where he's just like, okay, this is what I'm doing right now. I really think Putting, I know it's a small thing, and they can do something on SmackDown, which changes everything, but Rusev being part of that 11-on-3, like I said, jobber fest, does not help him in any way. My thoughts on it are that it's not a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal because I don't think anyone's going to remember that he was part of that two weeks ago. Honestly, Corey, I just watched it. I didn't remember he was a part of it. So I don't think that it's going to be a big deal. It's going to hurt him. Um, if he became, you know, um, a henchman for Triple H and Evolution, then maybe that would be different. 
But I think a one-week deal where they bring him out, he was part of the Jobber Fest. But one week they bring him out, there were 11 guys in there. I don't think it was a big deal. I really don't. Um, but we'll see moving forward how they how they continue to do it. And I guess following that, because we brought it up very slightly before, what do you think of Evolution versus The Shield? And what does that do with Daniel Bryan? Are we seeing Daniel Bryan in his first pay-per-view or streaming WWE network event facing Kane? I mean, and it won't be the main event. So what do you think? Do you, do you think that this is a, a good sign for, you know, Daniel Bryan basically kind of getting what CM Punk got once he became champion? I know it's only a week and one show, and I'm overreacting. I know that. But Daniel Bryan possibly facing Kane at the pay-per-view as not even as the, the main thing going on. The main thing is S.H.I.E.L.D. versus Evolution. I think that it's fine. Th- this is why. I think the Shield are main event guys, and I think this is their way to showcase them. Um, I think in order to put young guys over, and I said this on Twitter at work shoot pod, work shoot pod. In order to put the young guys over, you need to put them over against veterans who are big time players in the industry. And as much as hashtag skinny jeans. Hashtag Captain Born and the King of Kings kind of drives us crazy a little bit. They are three of the biggest guys in the company. And if you can have the Shield beat these guys, you know, it'll be a big deal. So I, I love that part of the angle. I also think they still emphasize the title because they, Triple H, or excuse me, Batista and Orton both said, we want to be the champions. We want the title. I think that the... Brian Kane thing may even be like a non-title match. Um, so I don't think that'll be a big deal. I mean, there is something to be said for, you know, your champion should be in the main event of the pay-per-view. But I think that this could supersede that. And I'm not, I'm not upset with it. Because I think moving forward, Brian will be in the main event of all these pay-per-views, just like he was last year, you know, fighting these guys for the title. I'm okay right now them not putting Brian against Randy Orton for the, the WWE World Heavyweight title. So you're so you're not... All right, so I'm guessing you're not scared that we might have the same thing happen that happened to Punk. No. Punk... No, uh, because, Brian's already, because Brian's already been in the main event of all of so many of these pay-per-views. But not as champion. Well, you know what? But now that he's but, champion, don't you think... Yeah, but Jim Punk be, wasn't in the main event before he was champion either. All right. I mean, well, how many paper? So would you say, though... Whatever happens next month's pay-per-view, which is, I don't know, uh, Payback or Extreme yeah, Rules Part 3. Month, next or month's Payback, and then the month after that is... Um, Money in the Bank? Uh, Money in the Bank. So, I mean, if next month for Payback, Daniel Bryan's not in the main event, would you start to be a little bit worried then? No. I'd wait. It depends on how it plays out with the Shield and Triple H. If he's not in the main event of, like, SummerSlam, that's an issue. If he's not in the main event of the biggest, you know, the bigger, biggest pay-per-views, that's an issue. Uh, so, no, I'm not, I wouldn't be too concerned yet. All right. I mean, I'm hoping you're right. Like I said, I'm... I mean, remember, Corey, they did a great job. He won in the main event of Wrestle. Remember, let's, let's take a step back and let's think about this. He was in... The first match 
of WrestleMania and won that. And he was in the last match of WrestleMania. He won in the main event of WrestleMania. It's a big deal. He'll be fine. I think, I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried yet. All right. I mean, like I said, I mean, I guess you're one of the reasons why I've always said the show works is because you're 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 uh, more half full. I'm half empty when it comes to certain things. When you know, when when bringing over and pushing newer guys, I always think that you know what you should push, push, and push until the ceiling is broken. I know you're saying him winning the title means the ceiling's broken, but once you get through the ceiling, I think you should they should continue to push. And I don't know. It, it scares me slightly. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that you're right. That just the evolution versus. What do you want to see them do with them? You want to fight Batista? No, but I want to. We already established last week. You don't want Triple H. So they've Orton has fought him a million times. Mm-hmm. You want him to fight Skinny Jeans? Is that what you want to see? I thought that was mostly would be the next step before he uh, before he capped out at Mania, which I thought that was where they were going. I mean. At some point, I mean, at some point you got to go do, well, not yet, of course. Sometimes you, at some point you got to do Brock. At some point, hopefully maybe you can make Cesaro something credible. Hopefully you got Bray. I mean, hopefully you've got contenders coming up. I and mean, that's part of the problem. When you have, when you, when you reform evolution, you're, you're most likely your three immediate choices for the, for a match are all involved in something else. And I understand you got to strike when the iron's hot and evolution versus the shield, you would think will get people interested. But you just hope that, that the title doesn't take a back seat to other things going on in the show. That's, I guess that's all I'm trying to say. I mean, I feel that the title should mean something. And that's one of the things that drove people crazy with Vince Russo over the years. The fact that Vince Russo believed the title was a prop. And I understand well, the title we, is we a prop. Already, but we already know that's not the case. I mean, we know they don't think that. These guys have all been talking about the title. Everybody talks about the title. I, I, I don't think that'll be, I don't think that'll be the case. I mean, we also have to remember, too, that Daniel Bryan was not there yesterday because the man got married. Good for him. So, you, you know what I mean? So he wasn't there, and I think that was also a part of it, that he wasn't on the show at all. And that was because he got married, which is fine. God bless him. So I, I think it'll be fine. No reason to panic yet. Hey, you know what? I hope you're right, and I hope I'm just overreacting because, you know, that's what I do. But like I said, like every good meal, we had our appetizer, we had our entree, we had the news, which was a great dessert. And now that the meal's over, I think it's time to uh, to call it a day. Think about what we've done and get ready for uh, the next time that we're able to go and join you guys. So, uh, Jay, how about you tell us uh, how people can get, uh, get in touch with us, you know, follow our, our musings. All right, so... Twitter, obviously, the best way to get a hold of us. Worked Shoot Pod. Worked Shoot Pod. Um, at Worked Shoot Pod, I should say, on Twitter. We live treat Raw. Um, uh, we live treat the pay-per-views. Sometimes we live treat TNA if we're watching that week. Um, we may live treat Ring of Honor since we're all going to be there. Um, and so we try to, you know, we post wrestling news uh, occasionally on there. So uh, you can hear us on there. Uh, the Worked Shoot Podcast. We have on Facebook, so that's our Facebook page is the Work Shoot Podcast. And in order to get our podcast, the best way to get them is www.workshoot.podomatic.com. That's Work Shoot 
www.podomatic.com. That's a direct link to all of our uh, past podcasts or most of our past past podcasts and also has our Twitter on there as well. All right. And uh, just want to throw out a couple of plugs here. Um, once again, uh, if you would like to follow Christopher Morin, you can follow him either on Twitter at Morton411 or you can go to his uh, his blog, which is Morton'sLaw.com. And like always, you know, check out our buddies uh, Eddie Z and Chris Wizard at the Kitchen Sink Podcast. And uh, for everything else, keep on listening. We uh, will be back next week with um, more lead up to Extreme Rules, which right now we have two matches, it looks like. We have the Shield versus Evolution, and we have a Steel Cage match with John Cena and Bray Wyatt. So for Corey Richmond, uh, this is Jason Brooks <laughs> saying, see ya. See ya. Speak to me, Wyatt! say this evening it's been hard for me to find the words that's oh Oh, this is going to be great Shut up, Boyer, and let me do the talking. (laughs) No WWE talent becomes a legend on their own. Every man's heart one day beats its final beat. His lungs breathe their final breath. And if what that man did in his life makes the blood pulse through the body of others and makes them bleed deeper in something than larger than life, then his essence, his spirit, will be immortalized by the storytellers, by the loyalty, by the memory of those who honor him and make the running the man did live forever. You... You, 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 you are the legend makers of Ultimate Warrior. In the back, I see many potential legends, some of them with warrior spirits, and you will do the same for them. You will decide if they lived with a passion and intensity, so much so that you will tell your stories and you will make them legends as well. I am 
Ultimate Warrior, you are the Ultimate Warrior fans. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever. The Ultimate Warrior, the newest member of the Hall of Fame.